0: I'm going to take a special moment with the children. I know CJ's here in the back, and we have lots of kids who are joining us online. So I just want to take a moment uh, with you all especially. You may have heard the song that the choir sang at the very beginning of the service. Jesus' hands were kind, hands doing good to all. It was beautiful. Thank you for singing that. My understanding of that song is that it's actually a children's song, a song that helped children learn about Jesus and Jesus' kindness. It made me think of something that someone said 500 years ago. Her name was Teresa of Avila, and she loved God very much, and she prayed a lot, and she taught people, and one of the things that she taught was that Christ has no hands but our hands, no feet, but our feet, no heart, but our heart. Now, what do you think that means? I think it means that we are the people of God, and God wants us to do things to show God's love to other people. God doesn't want anyone in the world to be hungry or lonely, and so God wants us to use our hands to share food with other people, or maybe to give a hug to people who are lonely. God works through us and uses us to show God's love to people. So one thing that might be fun would be for you to talk with your parents or your friends and wonder, hmm, how could I use my hands to help other people? How could I use my mouth and say kind words to people? How could I use my feet to walk with someone who might need some help getting over the sidewalk? All sorts of ways we can use our hands, our feet, our ears to listen, to do what God wants us to do in the world. Let's pray. God, we know that you love everyone unconditionally that you want everybody to be loved and to be happy and to be fed and to be free. So help us to use our hands, our feet, our mouths, our ears to help other people and to be part of that good work that you're doing in the world. And there's no act of kindness too small to make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we find ourselves this morning in the 11th chapter of John, the story of the raising of Lazarus. And it's actually a very long story, maybe the longest story in all the Gospels. It takes up the whole of chapter 11. And so we didn't want to ask Davis to read the whole chapter because he would have been up there for 20 minutes. So we had to pick the verses that seemed to help the story make sense for us as we listened to it. But there's a lot more going on in this story that I want to fill in for us, if that's okay with you. For one thing, this is Jesus' seventh and final miracle in the Gospel of John. John organizes his Gospel around seven signs of Jesus, beginning with turning the water into wine, and going all through the Gospels to this one, the seventh sign, which is the greatest, bringing someone back from the dead. And it is this sign that stirs up so much controversy that Jesus eventually gets arrested. Now at the beginning of chapter 11, Jesus and his disciples are going about their ministry and they get a message from Martha and Mary. It's clear from John's Gospel that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus have a special relationship with Jesus. There's there's an intimate kind of friendship there. And the sisters send a message to Jesus and say, the one whom you love is sick. And they're asking Jesus to come and be with them, perhaps to come and heal their brother. But the way John tells the story Jesus is very intentional about, he go, about how he goes about this miracle. In fact, the way John tells his story throughout the gospel, he portrays Jesus as very much centered in his divinity. The other three gospels seem to focus a little bit more on Jesus' humanity, the limits he faced, the things that perhaps he didn't quite know about his future. But in John's gospel, it's a very, as theologians would say, a very high Christology, where Jesus is very much in charge, very aware of what's going on, and in this story, he intentionally waits to go and visit Lazarus. He intentionally gives time for the disease to take course and for Lazarus to die, the way John tells the story, it is Jesus' plan all along from the very beginning to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so I want us to keep that in mind, that Jesus has, has the plan. He knows what he's going to do. This is, this is how it's going to all play out. And yet at the same time, there are things Jesus does in this story that, that are enlightening and inspiring. First of all, when he arrives... And he greets Mary and Martha, and Lazarus has already died, and he sees their tears, and he sees all of their friends and community who have gathered around to grieve with them and to lament the death of Lazarus. He cries. You know, it's that, that two-word verse, Jesus wept, comes from this story. A short verse, but a powerful one. That Jesus knowing he has power of life over death, knowing what he is about to do, even yet is able to grieve with these sisters and stand with them in their grief. And then he makes his way to the tomb of Lazarus, still disturbed in spirit, still disturbed by death and the power that it has had on this family. And then here's what he does. He says to all the people who have gathered there to grieve and lament, roll the stone away. Now, if Jesus has the power to raise someone from the dead, surely he has the power to to roll the stone away himself. He could have done that. But instead, he invites all those who are gathered to do it, to participate in this miracle of bringing Lazarus back from the dead. Roll the stone away. And at first they're scared to do that. There's going to be a stench. It's going to be unpleasant. It's going to make us uncomfortable. But he tells them, trust me. Do as I say. And so they do. And then Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man stands up and walks out of the darkness of the tomb yet still wrapped in his funeral cloths, still blinded by the cloths that cover his head and still bound by the wraps. And so then again, Jesus says, to those gathered there, you unbind him and let him go. What this says to me is that It reveals who God has been with us from the very beginning. God chooses to involve us in the work that God is doing in the world. In the very first story of creation, God invites the first human beings to till the soil and to care for the animals, to name the animals, to be stewards of the earth, to join with God in the work that God is doing Just as Jesus has a grand plan in this story, God has a grand plan for all of creation, that all people would be loved and free and whole and healthy and well and cared for and fed. This is God's vision for God's creation. We live into that as a congregation. We believe God loves everyone unconditionally and wants every human life every life on this earth to thrive. But in order for that to happen, God chooses, for whatever reason, to use us, to work through us. And here we see in this story a God who is a God of liberation, of setting people free from whatever it is that binds them. And my friends, we get to be part of that liberating work. Isn't that amazing? We get to help people hear the good news that they are loved. We get to help people release the bonds of whatever it is that oppresses them. We get to welcome people and free them, and in the process be freed ourselves. I'm so grateful to be part of a congregation that is committed to this liberating, loving work. When I first came to this church and I saw in the bulletin all the recovery groups that, that were meeting downstairs, sadly they're not able to meet in person right now, but that day's coming back. And this is a congregation that welcomes that work and that journey of recovery, knowing how important it is, how much it's God's work to help set people free from the bondage of addiction. I'm so grateful for our Sunny Day Club that welcomes people who are trapped in the bonds of a terrible disease of Alzheimer's. And yet to give them a place to come and, and be treated with dignity and to sing and to laugh and to play and be loved and whole and to give their caregivers a time to rest and take care of themselves. That's liberating work. That's the work of the gospel. I'm so grateful to be part of a congregation that has made our welcome clear that you can come into this community of faith and be exactly who you are, and to say to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and siblings that you are welcome here and you are freed from the bonds that have been placed on you to be who you were created to be. And that's true for all of us that this is a place where we can all live into our gifts and into our identities and who we are and who God calls us to be. I'm so grateful that I've been invited and been led by others in this congregation and in our community to dig more deeply into the work of anti-racism. This week we've, we've been lamenting those horrible deaths in Georgia. And the light has been shined as the the stone has been rolled away, and the light is now shining on some of what our Asian-American friends have been experiencing over this past year. And we get to be part of changing that and making this world and this this community a better place and a safer place for everybody. And as I've continued, I was part of a conference yesterday sponsored by the Garrett Bennett Center, was geared to to white leaders like me. And what is the work that, that we can be doing to open our eyes to how our society is kind of built for us? We're just sort of the default and how hard it is for others. And discovering that that work of conversations around racism and all of that is not just working to liberate others, but it's setting me free. And the work that God is doing in the world, through us, around us, to build a world where all people are free and whole and loved and have enough is work that we're invited into. So here are the good news, my friends. Whatever it is in your life that binds you, old labels that others have put on you or or old resentments or whatever it is that is holding you, know and believe that our God is a God of liberation who wants to set you free. Hear the good news, my friends. We are part of the body of Christ invited to join in this hopeful, exciting, joyful work Of sharing God's freedom with the world in whatever ways we're called to do that. And when we worry that we don't have the courage or we don't have the energy or we don't have what it takes to be part of this work, because it gets hard at times, here's the best news of all. The power in this story does not come from Lazarus and it doesn't come from the people who were pushing the stone. It comes from Jesus Christ. And it is Christ's vision for the world. And if we can trust and believe and follow Christ one day at a time, we will have everything we need to use our hands, our feet, our mouths, our ears, to be free and to set others free. Thanks be to God.